I w- we have a friend from out of town. Actually, she they, they just left, and she works for the city of Austin. Uh, and I was asking her. I've I've been building up this theory, and uh, I, d- I didn't come up with this idea. I forget it where it, where it comes from. But if you look at so you got tech companies, which which as as I'm fond of cataloging, are not actually tech companies. They are companies that use tech. You know, you got your Facebooks and your your Ubers, and uh, you know the scare slides from four years ago uh, to get people to buy the enterprise software. And uh, so you got these tech companies that are like, you know, uh, Bird and the Uber and your your Lime scooters and your whatnots. And then also there's there's that phenomena where like people who use Waze, uh, it directs them to drive through uh, people's neighborhoods in L.A. and they get L.A. people get all upset. You know, I, I guess rightly so. Maybe you, in your neighborhood, Brandon, do you have those those little neon uh, those neon like midget people? who are holding a flag with a red cap and they're like, slow down kids. We do. We have uh, several of those placed around the neighborhood by, I guess I assume parents. I don't know where they come from. Yeah. I always, I always wonder what the efficacy of those things are. It's, it's sort of like the old, uh, the old um, cliche about locks, like locks are there to keep good people out. Right. Like, did I go over this already? I, I think I did talk about this. I mentioned that there's those doors. Yeah, I remember because Matt Ray was telling me there was a hacker conference where there's those doors that have like the pins in the um, in the hinges, and then you've got like French doors. So it's like if if I wanted to steal your TV, I would just break the glass. But whatever. Uh, so I always wonder. I, I'm sure there's good people who don't realize they're speeding fast and they slow down because little red hat boys and girls who are there. I saw some of those in uh, where was I? Maybe in France. But they're like full-on statues with backpacks. It's kind of creepy. Anyhow, so you got all these transit-related startups that are like littering the street with sidewalks. And I was asking them, uh, I should say her, I was asking her like, uh, so what do, you know, you work in the city. Like what do, uh, what do city people think about that? And she gave me, she gave me a, uh, uh, an analysis I wasn't expecting. Cause you know, the analysis is like, it's a tech company. So it's, it's basically, uh, you know, the minions of the devils who are rapaciously coming to take money and just like shit all over the world and leave everyone else to clean up the mess, uh, as they go. As we read about the WeWork person, they extract $700 million from the, the VC, you know, world just to go do whatever it is they do. Uh, so anyways, um, I only read the headline of that, so I don't know if I got that right. But she was pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. Which, which, you know what? You know what? I salute you, rapacious capitalist. I know. I kind of felt more. That's exactly how I felt. (laughs) This guy knows how to play the game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that. Like, how do you get someone to invest in in speculative real estate? Uh, in a nonprofit thing at such a scale, I mean that's amazing. Like, but if so, much more importantly, he's not diluted by his own craziness. You know, he's he says like, uh, kind of this maybe all the way back, uh, all back to Mark Cuban. It's like this is a crazy time. I need to get some of this money out. You know, he's he doesn't buy his yeah. own. Uh, He's, he's got, he's got a good financial, uh, a good financial, um, advisor who's like, you really need to diversify your portfolio. Yeah. And you know, that's exactly what he's saying. And yeah. he's like, guys, I don't want to, but this guy I brought in from Morgan Stanley, he told me I have to diversify. Yeah. Got to sell. I think, I, I think that's perfect. So anyways, she had a good take, which is basically, well, like, you know, the American system is that we have, uh, public private partnerships and like in theory, the, cause my position was like, in theory, the city is in charge of transit. Like the city, the government's in charge of like, you know, buses and moving people around. And then also like driving the policy for how roads are used and where roads go, right? So moving people, as they say in Patriot, from point A to point B, uh, is typically a government sort of concern. Um, 
And uh, but she had a you know so you you look at those those transit tech companies and they're basically taking over at least strategic leadership if not implementation of of transit, and and she had a good take. It was like well you know uh, this is my rephrasing of what she was saying is people don't want to raise taxes to pay for that, so this is what they want right like we have this partnership and this we're always looking for ways to like solve problems with private industry and so. Maybe we're figuring it out and it's like a bit of a, not a wild west. It's sort of a, uh, um, let's call it a mildly, uh, you know, nutty west, but definitely you don't need to institutionalize the west, but you know, it's just, we're figuring out how to do it and we're solving the problem. So I don't know. It's probably okay. Which, which I think was, you know, you don't often hear someone, especially who works for government saying that, uh, these tech companies probably okay. In the words of Andrew Schaefer. <laughs> so I don't. What was the uh, the end goal there? Was she happy oh, or sad about the whole I, thing? I, I think I think she was content. She was a little a little above neutral. And uh, and and you know my goal was just to like get get the take on it from someone, which was mm-hmm. uh, which is nice. I'd never thought of it that way. That is uh, that is pretty dandy because it really. I don't know if you've ridden on one of these scooters, but it's it's pretty one fun and two like uh the whole concept of like i need to get from one part to another part uh really works well (laughs) like yeah i I don't know i don't have any problem with it i always wondered why um i don't know i feel like a lot of people are are just down on it in general and i do agree i think it uh, cause I was in New York city recently and they have a, a pretty, uh, robust city bike program. So the bikes are mm, everywhere yeah. and they're actually instant right. and, and that, earlier the, point. That was part of my bucket managed. of stuff is all the, the bikes as well. Yeah. So I, I, I felt like if, if they, um, had like scooter, um, lockers, whatever, for lack of a better word that are, um, similar to like where the bikes were, it would make, it would be a little bit better. It'd be a little yeah. cleaner, but yeah. I, I'm fine with it. I mean, um, I haven't used the scooters a lot just cause I don't live in a place that I, I like need to do it all the time, but I, yeah. every time I see it and I'm like, yeah, it makes sense to me. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, like after, uh, after living here, like I think about if, uh, if I were to move back to the hill country and it's a real shame cause like, you know, the neighborhood I lived in and, and yours is not exactly like this, but it's enough of it where like it's so hilly and hot that you wouldn't really want to ride a bike. However, if you had like a, a motorized bike or scooter, like, you know, you could probably in like five or eight minutes go to a grocery store, definitely to the post office to mail some stickers. Like that would be a lot easier. But, it, you know, as long as it was a motorized to get you up the hills, it would actually be like a pretty – it would make sense as long as the the availability of the, the motorized things was like out in the uh, the further reaches of town instead of just downtown. Yeah. I'm, well, I like it. I'm, I'm okay with it. I've never – but I've never had a problem so much with uh... – uh, Uber and Lyft. I know a lot of people are frustrated by that, but yeah. those have been to me. I mean, just I mean, I guess it's always hard to like divorce divorce yourself from, you know, the broader implications for like this has just made my life a lot easier. Like I when I travel, I just use it so much. It's oh just, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, hopefully to your friend's point, you know, maybe it's always rough at the beginning, but maybe in as years go by, right? Like kind of like the bikes in New York city or very other places is like once, once a standard or sort of a, a code of conduct sort of is, if you will, implemented and like, okay, yeah, don't leave your scooters in the middle of the street, right? They go in this area, right? Yeah, and just, yeah. and, and the same thing too, is like, make sure as the businesses, we're going to have all these drivers doing this stuff, make sure that they're getting, you know, a good wage for their work. And it's just, I don't know. It's just always ugly when the stuff starts. Yeah. Kind of back to your 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 WeWork situation, right? It's like 
it's just ugly at the beginning, but it does tend to work <laughs> itself out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and this is, this is another sort of, um, what is the word? I was going to say nefarious, but it's not nefarious. It's sort of like, it's sort of like if, if Hodor was an evil character and you were like, he really doesn't know what he's doing and he's just, we don't really, we don't really have the words to express his mental state anymore because they're all, as I, do the kids say canceled? Does that mean something you can't do anymore? Like, like, uh, John Hughes films are canceled. Uh, is that right? I've been picking up on that in the, uh, the ironic know. podcast. This, this is a hip, this is a hip trend term. I don't know about. Yeah. So out of, out of, out, it. it's, it's basically out of our tax bracket, Brandon. That's, that's, <laughs> we, that's not our deal. Fair anymore. Enough. But anyways, so I, you know, you can't describe what a Hodor is because that's, so that's why I'm saying a Hodor, but it's sort of like if Hodor did evil stuff, it's like you couldn't really blame him because he's not really like doing it consciously. It would just happen. So I think similarly, like, you know, a lot of the issue with, uh, with with the Ubers and the Lyft, maybe not Lyfts, but Uber is like they're kind of an evil company. Uh, so the the head of them, they're doing all sorts of weird things, which uh, seem to be rectified to some extent. But then there's like bad wages they pay to people. So again, in that sort of like uh, benign, that unknowing evil way, like if you have if you have no humans to pay poorly, then there's not a problem. <laughs> which, which i yeah, guess i guess yes. the people you would pay poorly for uh scooters and other things would be the um the field staff but then maybe you would have so few field staff that you would kind of pay them okay and it might transition from unionized people uh who would uh figure out how to do it i wonder who's at the door there mm, must be oh, yeah, someone that wants to talk about scooters yeah that's my son's friend they no no scooters but uh, yeah, so that was that was one of the most optimistic sort of uh, takes on take co- tech companies that I've heard in a long time. Which... I like it. It's also from an city employee, so I mean that's not always the case. So good, indeed. Good to hear that, indeed. Well, let's let's say maybe even you're running some sort of scooter company with with autonomous scooters, bikes. I don't even know what. Maybe you've got like uh, you know they call mopeds scooters over here. So it's very confusing when you ask people if they have a scooter. But no doubt you're going to have a large network of computers and you want to keep up with going, it was going on with them. Now, especially if you've got like an IoT not always on the Internet thing, they might be generating a lot of logs that you want to collect and analyze. What, what might you like look into to uh, sort of manage something like that? Well, we have just a solution. I want to uh, let you know that this episode is sponsored by SolarWinds and one of their APM tools, Logly. When there's a service disruption, seconds matter. Don't waste time looking for logs or combing through endless screens of events. Let SolarWinds Logly aggregate, manage, and analyze all your log data so you can quickly spot issues, jump to the relevant event messages, and identify the root cause. And the Logly in-context integration with SolarWinds App Optics adds rich performance instrumentation and distributed tracing to further accelerate identification of root cause and significantly reduce MTTR. Spend less time troubleshooting and more time innovating with context in your logs. Logly is scalable, cloud-based log management that won't break the bank. Plus, SDT, software to find talk listeners get a special 20% off your first year of Logly from now until September 30th. Offer for new customers only. Try it for free, 14 days. Just go to logly.com slash SDT. That's L-O-G-G-L-Y dot com slash SDT. And if it logs, it can log to Logly. And of course, we thank SolarWinds for being such a great sponsor. Well, uh, we actually have, as always, I'm going to try to be uh, straight up with the listeners. We are lucky enough to have two ads. So we're going to experiment with some interstitial audio here 
so that you don't skip through the ads and you actually appreciate the people who are helping us make this. And I have just thought this week we're going to do something called uh, Brandon in New York City. Now, you were in New York City recently, Brandon. I was. Tell me, tell me. Now, we have recommendations at the end of the show. Tell me a tip that uh, for people to enjoy New York City. Like, what is, what is something that, like, you know, they may be, as always, something they may not initially think of, but, like, what's, what's, a, uh, what's like, a gym of some way to have a good time there? Whether it's a mindset, right, well, an actual thing, yeah. whatever. I got you. So lots of stuff to talk about in New York City, but what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue our theme of public transportation. So my son is uh, nine years old, and really one of his favorite things in life is public transportation, loves it. Buses, subways, you know, everything. So when we go anywhere <laughs> that has real like public transit, like New York City, part of the experience is just riding, in this case, the New York City subway, which I, probably to people who've been on the subway, it's, it is, it's not maybe the greatest thing, but he loves it. So uh, here's a little, little tip I learned. If you have children, I don't know exactly the age, I think it's under 14. Anyway, they can get a student pass and they can ride the subway for free just as much as they want. So uh, upon learning this, right, uh, the, the person told us, hey, because we, before we were buying him a pass, they said, hey, you can just ride for free. So we're like, okay, well, where do we get the student pass? And so my wife walks up to the, the transit, uh, I guess like the little you know, information area, and there's a, 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 like a, a microphone, right? So it's like glass, right? So you can't like, not talking to the person, you're talking through the thing. And, and she's like, where do I get this? And and the woman's just saying something, but she can't understand it. And she's making this this uh, motion with her her hand. It's just like you know, kind of like a wave, right? And she's like, "What? Like, where do I get it? How do I get the pass?" And so finally, someone uh, behind my wife says, "No, he just goes under." So in New York City, it just has the old school <laughs> turnstile. So I felt like this was like a software thing, right? This is kind of the thing. It's like guys, totally. Uh, we could uh, try to issue passes for all the kids that are underage and we can manage that or we could just tell the kids to go under right and so that's all you do you just tell your kid uh just to duck under the turnstile and they're they're just free and I love as far that. as i can tell nobody um and then you watch like if you sit, stand in front of the the turnstiles for a while and you see children that's just they just do it all day long it's like so because the first time i kind of look around you're like oh are we going to get arrested or something and uh but sure enough that's all all you do in new york city kids just go under and i thought to myself i mean it, it kind of works right i was like yeah you know this probably just works better and why bother with all the administration of actual the, the passes and then to your point about you know it's a public utility and you know i don't think they're really worried about kids riding it for free it's like yeah go for it kids and so so that was one thing and then we spent a little bit more time to finish the thought in dc so we rode the the washington what they call the metro right in washington dc which is just you know fancy name for the subway there uh but there it's more modern so i guess kids can't ride for free but they have no ability to do this hack because the there's no turnstiles it's like these very official things that have to open and close right and so you can't do it so i was like yeah i don't know maybe the metro is missing out on this like on this, just go under the turnstile. So, so there you have it. If you have children and they want to ride the subway, uh, just buy yourself a pass and just tell your kid to go under the turnstiles, and uh, everyone seems okay with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have those. Uh, uh, they have those here in Amsterdam, like the the glass doors that kind of like what do they do? They kind of go up and out. When, exactly. Uh, yeah. 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 No, that's that that is that is uh, that is what I think we used to call an elegant hack. <laughs> it was. It was. I thought it was a pretty good one. So and, can't and blame him. I think also it's a good policy. It must be this short to ride free 
is is basically the uh, the way it goes. Yeah, because because the the uh, the people who should be paying, I think they jump the stall right instead of going underneath. Yeah, it, I mean, and you see it when you're there, it kind of makes sense because you're exactly right. Like a certain height, it's a hundred percent easier to go under, and then when you get to a certain you know adult right, kind of like mm. typical adult size, it's like yeah. Going under isn't going to be that good, so you would need to be able to jump it. You need to be in like I don't know, not good shape, but like you know, well, you know, willing to, to to get up a little bit of hops to get over that thing if you're going to jump it. So, so let's say let's say you wanted to have the full mullet of end-to-end monitoring. You got you got maybe you got your logly in the back monitoring servers, and then mm-hmm. in the front you've got uh, basically you're going to be using a lot of JavaScript. How you know what what are you going to do there to make sure things are going fine? Well, funny you should ask. We like to also thank TrackJS, who's a sponsor of this week's show. And as you were saying, Cote, you have logs about what happens on your servers, in your clouds, and across your networks. But what about the end user's browser? For better or for worse, everything is put together with JavaScript and the user interface. Do you know when it breaks? TrackJS error monitoring for JavaScript quickly integrates with your front end, regardless of framework. So you know when problems impact your users. TrackJS installs in minutes and provides context about what the user, network, and application were doing leading up to errors. It's like having an airplane's black box in your UI, so you can find, recreate, and fix problems fast. TrackJS is an engineer-owned cloud service that gives you visibility to client-side issues. Try it for free at trackjs.com slash sdt. That's T-R-A-C-K-J-S dot com slash S-D-T. And we thank TrackJS for being a new sponsor to the show. Yeah, it's exciting. We got two now. So all, all you listeners who like checking out our sponsors, you should go check them out. It, it, it'll be nice. So, uh, you know, on, on, our, on our next little item, let me put this full disclaimer out. So on Monday, I am scheduled in my other podcast, Pivotal Conversations, available at pivotal.io slash podcast or at soundcloud.com slash pivotal conversations for those who like long URLs. Do you remember the, uh, the parts of the URL, which is to say URI, you've got like the domain name, I think the path, the protocol, right? Yeah. Oh, see, I don't even know. I don't even know. Yeah. That's what you got to like start, right? Cause then as we all remember FTP, like there's Uh all these protocols that we don't really use. Maybe you use them in like APIs. Uh You don't really ever see them. Yeah. 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 I wonder why Gopher is not used anymore. I wonder if there's some RFC that's like Gopher is canceled. See, I'm just going to start using that term. I like this idea without, I should really look it up because I'm probably offending people. I always thought like there's somebody that's going to figure out how to like, because it's it's out there and it's probably supported on a bunch of stuff. They're going to do something interesting mm. and be like, oh, yeah, this could be used for that thing that we never thought of. Yeah. You know, if I remember from, I think this was in the Hacker Crackdown by my beloved author, Bruce Sterling. Or no, no, no. Hacker Crackdown was by that that professor guy. I don't know. Bruce Sterling wrote one. Uh, about of all people, the Steve Jackson GURP people or whatever. Uh, but there was, I think one of the biggest initial hacks was using Finger. Like something was yes. wrong with, uh, uh-huh. with with finger. Anyhow, uh, so my disclaimer is this: uh, I am going to get the the head of product marketing, who I regularly do that podcast with on Monday, to give me the official line on Pivotal's big announcements this week. Now, you would think that in the job that I have, I was explaining what I do to uh, our our friend who was here, and I was saying like I'm kind of like a spokesperson, and I explain what Pivotal does, and I was trying to explain what I do. And she was at, at some point she was like, you've been talking for a long time and I still don't understand what you do. So you would think 
giving your job. Mis- no, mission yeah. accomplished. Yeah, that's e- right. Exactly. Don't ask any more questions. <laughs> so I might get some of the details wrong here, but we had uh, we we at Pivotal had a had a, had a big announcement, uh, which is basically we're taking. I think I think listen listen. I think when you say Pivotal Cloud Foundry, most people don't know the intricacies of our product naming scheme, which is fine. That's the way things work. So when you normally think of Pivotal Cloud Foundry, now if you're inside, if you're use or you're sort of inside the world of Pivotal Cloud Foundry, you understand that that's the equivalent of a portfolio name. Kind of like at one point, WebSphere didn't actually mean the equivalent of Tomcat. It meant a whole suite of things, which is similar to what PCF, as people will also say, is this basically like four or five things it represents. Anyhow, let's put that over here. So what you know of as Pivotal Cloud Foundry is being moved essentially to run on top of uh, Kubernetes, on top of R and VMware's Kubernetes distribution called the Pivotal Container Service, or PKS. And uh, there's an alpha version of it out, so you have to, like, as you would with an alpha, request it, which I think puts us on par with similar announcements from other vendors who uh, announce things that they're working on that you can get a hold of but are not fully GA. And uh, I don't know. I, I think I think it's uh, a fair amount of the kind of product direction most people have been expecting uh, us at Pivotal to take, which makes sense. And if you go read the coverage, right, from uh, various people, you'll see that it's sort of like, you know, Kubernetes is the uh, the way you would run this stuff. So to use the the portfolio terms, we have the Pivotal Application Service or I'll, I'll be, you know, between you and me, Brandon, don't tell anyone I said this, confusingly named PaaS, which is a PaaS. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I didn't say that. You didn't get that no, from no, me. No, I didn't no, hear that. I didn't no. hear it. Just between you and me. So the Pivotal Application Service, and maybe it's not confusingly, it actually is kind of a funny joke, right? That PaaS is a PaaS, now that I think of it. So actually, that's good naming. Uh, but so that will run on top, which if you read the articles, there's people who talk about the CF push experience, which is essentially, you know, you write up your, uh, your build pack and now you can use a cloud native build pack, which is an evolution of what a build pack is. And you just say, here's the application I have go deploy it on the cloud and figuring out, figure out the routing and wiring up things and stuff like that. But I would imagine I have no idea what the roadmap is. I purposely don't learn this information so that I can't divulge it. But like, you know, over the next however long, I'm guessing a year, I have no idea. Uh, Like, you know, the alpha will turn into a beta and then a beta will turn into a GA. And essentially, um, there's still some of the, we have our own sort of container um, orchestration thing. Do people use that phrase anymore, Brandon? Container orchestration? I think they do. Indeed they do. It's probably the most misunderstood phrase in maybe all of technology, but it's used quite a bit. Mm. Mm, right next to hybrid and multi-cloud, sort of. Yes, in they're, they're, they the live side. on the same That's block. Right. They do. They live on the same slides for sure. Yeah. So uh, we we still have our own. Uh, I mean, obviously it's an alpha, so we have our own container orchestration thing called uh, Diego. And I think I think if if I remember, you know, some of the functionality still needs to move over to this new way of doing things. But uh, you know, it's 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 a fun shift. I think going into to what people want, and then the other the other additional thing is. Uh, we uh, we also have a build service, which essentially is if uh, if I, if I understand it correctly and and have have done my research correctly, basically builds up your containers and other sort of uh, uh, whatever your application layout uh, would be, and kind of make sure that it's always up to date and and protects from drift and has has basically your uh, I guess you could think of it as the old DevOps notion as your deployment as part of your code, right? Not not uh, not some other weird thing done under some ITEL process. 
So we have that, that service as well. And then we have some of the initial, um, uh, chunks of middleware that also run on top of, uh, uh, Kubernetes. So there's a rabbit MQ that runs on top of, uh, Kubernetes. I think that's also in an alpha. And, uh, we also have a service mesh based on going back. I think this is a year ago, even more based on, uh, Istio, uh, which came out, which is your, essentially your sort of, uh, I don't know. This is a subset of it, but your, your microservices orchestration platform, uh, or to be even more general, if you've got a distributed application where you've got a bunch of, uh, subcomponents communicating over the network, you need some way of messing with all that, not messing with it, of dealing with all that mess. So, uh, you know, I think at least, at least, uh, at least for us, it's a, it's a pretty big deal of, uh, components that we have coming out and, uh, Seems like it's good stuff, and I think there, yeah, there's there's so, an even so better survey I translated from a Netherlands uh, news coverage. So if, if Google well. Translate did it well, uh, it'll give you a quick summary of it in the show notes. Available at softwaredefinedtalk.com/slash one eighty eight. Like it. Well, Kote, what do, you know? Have um, just maybe your own speaking to your your own day to day life. Like, do you find that um, in maybe the past year or two, or maybe longer? Like no matter where you go, no matter what you're talking about, as long as it's somehow somehow in IT or just you know whatever digital transformation or just anything, like people are obsessed with Kubernetes. Like you can talk to any oh, level yeah. of organization. Like you can be talking to like the CEO and he's like he may not know anything. It may be like I don't know. I'm trying to improve earnings and we're rolling out a new sales strategy and uh, we're doing this Kubernetes, right? I mean, it's just it's just become like its own thing. So. Um, I, I think at some point you just embrace it. It's like, yep, you just, everybody, you know, you need to have a plan. You need to have a story about it. You want it to be concise because the people want Kubernetes at every level of an organization. That's mm. been my experience. Yeah. I, no, I think, I think that's, I think that's absolutely true. That's, there, there's no nuance to that statement. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. I think what you're, you're doing, what Pivotal's done here, and um, I'm running into more uh, smaller companies, partners, and, and what, I, I think is universally true. I think everyone generally will agree with this. Kubernetes is too complicated. And, and when I say that, I mean like big Kubernetes, which w- people always end up using for like everything on the CNCF slide. Mm. And then there's just the container orchestration, which is really just Kubernetes, right? So there's always that part. But like there are so many companies that are, you know, if you will, trying to wrap up all the complexity of Kubernetes and make it simpler. And so this is like the next, uh, I don't know, three years. So obviously... It's good to see you guys at Pivotal, right? You're, you're kind of make this whole thing a lot simpler and you kind of even you know, sort of like your heritage, right? It's like, hey, let's just make all this distributed stuff simpler. So you're clearly getting into the game. And um, I just think everybody, but every almost every announcement I read from somebody announcing something in this in this world is about Kubernetes is too hard and we've done these things to make it easier. And then you can debate, like, is the thing that they did easier, right? Did they, because mm. they abstracted the YAML, right? That's always, that's another thing. It's like, oh, yep. you don't have to edit YAML. And you're like, ooh, that's good. But then you start to do it and you're like, ooh, maybe I should just edit the YAML, right? So I don't know. I just, I think for the next, and for those listeners, you know, we'll preview the next three years of our podcast. We'll be like, oh, what is this thing it does? How does it abstract from YAML? Is it good or is it bad? Is it, uh, and then does it get widespread adoption? So totally. Um, I just see that as just a, a major trend. And um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's good or bad. I guess it's just necessary, right? Because it's, it is too complicated. It's glad everyone's working on it, but it will probably get a little bit more complicated and confusing before it gets easier. But hopefully we're on the yeah. path of getting easier. No, no, I, th- I think, I think you nailed the overall, uh, industry thing. And, uh, and, and then also like the, the pivotal position on stuff. I mean, we've always been, uh, to, 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 uh, you, you sort of like, uh, 
previewed the joke that I use all the time is like, you know, and this actually comes from Tasty Meet Paul, Tasty Meets Paul, which is like, you know, don't don't be a YAML code programmer. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like I think, I think, which is how he, at one point he described himself and now that's how I describe him. But, uh, yeah, nah. I mean, there's always still lots of YAML cause that's used for other things, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I've talked about it here, but there's a, um, there's a quote I use sometime in my presentations, you know, cause as, as I sound, I don't make this joke anymore, but I always like to break the rule of presentations. One of the first rules they tell you in the, uh, you know, four or five rocks stacked in a Zinway sort of theory of presentations is you sh- you're not supposed to put a lot of text on a slide, which, you know, my attitude about people telling me what to do with my slides is sort of just like, how about fuck you? Uh, and so like, I, uh, I, I like this quote from that Berkeley serverless paper back in February, which essentially what it says is, uh, to deploy a few lines of JavaScript requires like 30 X lines of, you know, configuration code. <laughs> right. And I think, mm-hmm. I think that's the goal is, is, uh, that's the goal we always have is like all the way back probably even further, but as far as my memory goes, all the way back to rapid application development or the aptly named rad, uh, is like, maybe we should just worry about moving pixels on the screen instead of, you know, moving bits on a server, like, like pixels on the screen much better. I should, that's a good line. I should use that. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> like it workshops some stuff. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, to, to, to give my uh, footnoting, the pixels on the screen, I have to credit to Robert Brooke, my, uh, my enterprise architect friend up in London. He, uh, he just kind of mentioned that, mentioned that in passing, passing one day. To give a recommendation, if you ever are in London, you should eat at the Caravan restaurant. Good breakfast, good lunch. Uh, I think they have two locations, but, uh, that's his concept. The old pixels. So also, like I think, uh, OSCON is going on, which I had contemplated. I went to my, uh, as mentioned, I think last week, I went to my sister's wedding in Eugene, uh, last week. I was thinking, you know, I could stay over another week and go to OSCON. And then I simultaneously had the thought, or I could go home. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> here I am, but I believe IBM also had some Kubernetes, uh, announcements at OSCON. It looks like similar, similarly to be, uh, overly fair to a competitor. Uh, they're essentially trying to uh, package up and ease some of the ways of, uh, using Kubernetes, which is great. Uh, they've got a, a few open source things. I, I haven't dug into this, but I love this name, Apsody. It's, it's very, uh, operatic for for what they have but there's there's a uh, i don't know if you've read over it and you want to summarize it but uh i have a, an extraction of a summary in the uh, the show notes of it as well yeah i think it's you know i think it is very much along the lines of what we're talking about it's again ibm's attempt at trying to make it easier for you to build you know, container-based applications that can ultimately be deployed to uh kubernetes and they've got you know kind of the obligatory at this point you know uh ide extensions right so you know for vs code and eclipse so you hopefully you can, if you will, develop in your favorite IDE and, if you will, build a containerized application just like you would build anything else. And then they've got, you know, fairly, you know, another whole set of projects. Uh, was it Carbonaro? Am I saying that right? Carbonaro and uh, Absidy and Razzy. So I think it all falls into this, as I was saying before, right? It's everyone's trying to make it easier. So this is IBM's attempt to make all of the development a little bit easier in a whole mm-hmm. set of projects. That do it. So, um, so what will be interesting for, I guess, for all of our listeners is like which of these projects, and then you know, because I think it's worth like Google Anthos. I would throw in here, and there's a few other things, a couple other startups I know about. So it's just going to be interesting, 
like, and I, I always say like, nobody really knows like which of these projects like jump up and get like huge mm. traction. Cause that's going to be the thing that, um, that really differentiates, you know, for the industry. It's like, okay, like which one, which, which of these things are going to make it a lot easier and which of these things maybe just quietly move to the side. So mm. that's what I'm interested in watching. Well, well, that, that, I think, I think that's a good opportunity to revisit a, uh, one of, one of our, uh, what would you call it? Uh, B side topics, reoccurring topics, A side topics, of course, Kubernetes track one and, uh, track two, uh, open source kills profit. That's my summary of it. Maybe, we, maybe, maybe it's a, uh, a, a multi singer song where there's a discussion going on and I'm just like the, uh, I'm the old dirty bastard of like, mm-hmm. it just kills profit. I'm very rude about it, but that's fine. I don't, I don't know what the other tracks are, but you turn it over. One of the, one of the tracks I think is, uh, it's a very obscure one. Maybe it's on an import and it is. So given all of that, as, as a decision maker, let's say CIO, the CIO wouldn't do it. It would be the VP of operations, basically. Like, should I actually make a decision at this point or wait 12 months? Well, this is, you know, my answer to this may, I don't know, maybe be severely un- unpopular. It's like one, uh, I'm just going to say, I guess this is, this is within your, your, the, your world a little bit. It's like one, um, I wouldn't be afraid to just, uh, don't tell me when I said this, like, I wouldn't be afraid to just like keep using VMware. So again, <laughs> keep that on the download. Don't tell you, don't tell you when I said that. Uh-huh. But, uh, like if you have a bunch of applications, um, that are running and like, they're fine, they're just doing their job. And then this isn't, you know, you're not building like a Google web service. You got something that's been around for a while. It's working fine. It's been on windows 2008, just chugging along. And that everyone's coming in and is like, hey, you need to like rewrite it and do this cloud native thing and make our microservices. But you know, you don't, you're not having these problems. You know, it doesn't get a ton of, uh, of, of new development. Or it's just kind of patchy. It's like, you know, quietly, I just tell everyone, it's like, guys, this is what we're going to do. We're just going to, we're just going to run it on VMware, but don't tell anyone. Okay. Because that's, that's, an, that is a perfectly acceptable answer, uh, for many things. So that's, that's my point one. <laughs> and then, uh, point two is, I do think, you know, for the new applications, right, and for the things that you really, you know, we always talk about digital transformation, but another way I think of it is like, hey, these applications are mission critical, and that can be however you decide it, and you're going to put a lot of new effort into it. Yeah, it makes sense to start looking at this stuff and like figuring out what you're going to do, but I wouldn't be afraid, right, to, to kind of say to myself that, hey, we're getting started now. And what we are looking for, if Kubernetes, kind of to all the announcements we've talked about, like we think containers is clearly the approach. We think running these containers is clearly going to be the approach. But the place to, to, I think you're going to have some caution is to figure out how are we going to manage this going forward? That is, that is definitely a wide open space. And I don't just mean Kubernetes. I mean mm. all of the stuff above this, like all of the YAML kind of stuff we're talking about. Like what is the way that I want my organization to do this uh, before? And I think this is the thing that I, if I was to give any strong advice, it would be the following. It would be you either need to really go hire people that are studying this stuff and it's going to be very expensive, right? If you're going to want to like embrace it and do it right now, you need to go get a group of people and build this expertise in-house because it is going to be hard for you to just you know depend on any one vendor to do it. So I think potentially bringing that in-house or I think what you say is like 
we are going to wait a little bit. So we're going to partner up with some people that we think are, um, you know, good partners in this area, you know, obviously Pivotal being one. Uh, and um, but we're going to also at the same time be very mindful of tracking industry of like where the, where we believe this is ultimately going to go, um, because that's the part, you know, that I spend, you know, I kind of kid about VMware. But I do I do worry, as I see a lot of customers today that, you know, in five years, we're going to be having this like massive Kubernetes migration, right? It's just like everyone like spun up this random stuff. It's not really working mm. and they'll be wanting to move to this new way of doing it, which is maybe container based, but slightly different. And uh, I think that's the biggest pitfall for like a, a CIO is, mm. is to think is to like go too far, too fast without either knowing that like, Hey, we can manage it all ourselves or we really have partnered up with the right organization and we are really going to marry that organization for five years, right? And we're yeah. going to go that direction. So you got to—it's a tough decision, though. I mean, it's very difficult. I don't—I don't think it's an easy decision for anyone. Yeah, yeah. I wish—I wish as a—I a, don't know what I—what do I mean by as an industry? I—I mean—I mean by as an industry in the same way that generally, except for like anti-vaxxers and uh, hillbillies, like if science sort of proves something, you sort of accept it as. As a, uh, in the scientific meaning of it, as a theory, which is to say something that generally, if you do, makes your life better or turns out to be a, uh, uh, a practical, um, representation of reality. I don't want to, I don't even, I don't know. You know, I read an explanation of Schrodinger's cat the other day and I was like, I'm even more confused than already being confused. I, I need to go read the Illuminati trilogy again. Maybe that'll explain it to me. But anyways, uh, like, like it seems like there's a general pattern. It would be nice if we could extract, which you kind of went over, which is like, uh, you know, maybe you shouldn't build your own infrastructure. <laughs> right. And I feel like, I feel like through, through like Linux and OpenStack and to some extent, even AWS and Kubernetes. And somehow I feel like the LAMP stack and Java fit in here. Like what we learned over and over again is that like, if you download the code, then two years later, you're going to be fucked, right? Like if, if you find that you're building your infrastructure code, you're compiling it and running it, like generally it's not going to work out well for you. And, uh, and yet like every single time, and I don't know if anything existed before Linux because, well, maybe people built their own like networking stuff, but I don't, I don't think they did back then. I mean, I guess you had like 10 year government contract stuff where like whoever would build the government some custom file system and networking thing, which wasn't so much a failure as perhaps in retrospect, a very expensive way to sort of like, you know, tell someone when it was time to land on the moon or whatever. Um, but it seems like that's a general lesson that you have is if you find yourself downloading an operating system, a uh, runtime environment like Java, a web server, a uh, VM orchestration system like OpenStack, or uh, a, a container orchestration like Kubernetes, and you're compiling it and uh, making it work for distributed applications. I feel like that in the, as in always means 90%, that always goes poorly. And yet, here we are, over and over again, we sort of do that. Yeah, it is. And unfortunately, maybe just the cycle of technology. So, but I do, you know, maybe to be more optimistic about it, it's, it's oh, the yeah, things I good. think people could do, right? Is it does, I think it does pay off today, right? If you're building kind of back to my VMware statement, it's like anything that you are building today, any type of application, 
you know, the, having the ability to put it in a container. So I'm not talking about Kubernetes or anything. I'm just talking about containerizing it and taking the work. That seems like good work, right? Like if you can, because there are yeah, some yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, there's, I, and, and I guess in that instance, what I mean is I don't remember all my OCI container or whatever junk, but like you don't build the system that runs the containers for you right like you don't you don't you don't sort of like go get your lxc thing or whatever and build your own container technology and network Mm. handling no and i and this is where i think you know just kind of giving advice it's it's like every organization and i think it is pretty standard today it's like hey let's try to repackage everything as containers right let's not talk about orchestrating it let's just just make sure that because that that in itself is a lot of work there's gonna be all these weird applications and it would make sense sometime to like hey can we get rid of these dependencies that are preventing us from containerizing this and of course a lot of the tools and industry is going that direction so it's like 100 percent. spend some time that's like i think work that will pay off forever and then I think to your point, right, it's like, okay, kind of acknowledging of like, we should go learn about how we're going to do container orchestration. We should not build our own container orchestration. And we should act, and probably the thing that we want to start looking at is getting beyond just the container orchestration and figuring it out for our organization, what are the tools that we need to properly automate this, right? And there are going to be a lot of choices here, right? This is where we kind of went through the IBM solutions and, you know, just there's a ton of solutions out there. That's probably a place where you could start to study and figure out how do we want to do things? What are the types of uh, automation and potentially tools that are going to make this easier? And then, you know, ultimately, who do we want to bet on? Like, who do we want to really partner up with? That's what I would be spending my, if I was the CIO, that's what I would be spending my time, Mm. like, thinking about. Yeah. Well, so uh, uh, there was was a couple of follow-up items related to Broadcom that I wanted to put in. Now, I, I will not speak on Matt Ray's behalf, but we were talking about Broadcom wanting to uh, acquire Semantic uh, yep. last time, and I and I think that deal fizzled out, if I remember. The uh, it I did. I my my brain is very addled. Addled is one of my favorite words, but is very uh, very forgetful, and so I forget if it was rumors or official, but whatever. And uh, I think speaking of what I forgot is Broadcom bought CA, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, yep. so there you go. So they're already doing the thing we were saying they're probably doing. So uh, excellent analysis from Matt Ray and I. The uh, The best analysis is uh, people from the future who tell you what happened. Uh, and that's that's good stuff. But I think I, I think do, I did hear last week's episode. I think that you know, I also talked about like security and it's just, you know, um, like how many people just do security. And it's, you know, if you go to RSA, right, oh big boy. security conference, it's, you know, I don't know, hundreds, thousands of vendors. So it is a see, I would just say speaking very broadly here, it's just mm. security is a area ripe for the roll up. Right. You know, there's yes. just so many of them. And so I expect I don't know, obviously, the semantic thing didn't go through. But whether it's Broadcom or somebody else, you're going to see a lot of continued consolidation in the security space. Yeah. Well, you know, that that is good follow up since you you know this this stuff better is like, I mean, listen, listen, I was I was half purposely being naive and half being genuine. Where, like, for me, I had to study security once. I think, I don't know if I mentioned this. I did. I did. I had to study security for a summer. That is a, 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 an American school tour, term summer, which is three year, three months. It felt like three years. And, uh, like, you st- I studied that sector for my uh, strategy work. And, and I, as an application developer, right, like, I look at it and I'm just like, why, why the fuck does this market exist? It's so weird, right? Like, it's this strange, bizarre market of, one, and this is totally a stereotype, like people who are basically assholes, right? Like most people in the security world are very like, except for that Schneider guy, There, there's a subset who are like helpful, right? But the rest of them are just like, 
Like, like at best, they're showing you how they can steal your stuff. And then the rest of them are just like, you know why uh, we can hack into stuff? Because people are stupid. Uh, and, and I don't know. I'm probably way off base with that. But that, that is my feeling. That's just how I feel, Brandon. That's that's okay. I, hey, listen, I can never argue with your feelings. That, I would just maybe I should just say, I, I got it, but I got a bolo about it. I'd be like, not. I think there are there. Maybe we'll go like red team, blue team, right? There's, there you there, go. The there red you team go. people. Yeah, red yeah. team people who are just. It's a good way of saying people that are just uh, predisposed to. Right, right. Be I, more, I guess. I guess. I guess. Break things. I guess. You know, I, I would say there are blue team people that are like truly are trying to yeah, just help. Yeah. I, 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 I mean. I mean. I guess. Let, let me. Let me make another uh, potentially like speaking of canceling Hodor, like a bad analogy. I. I, I read some. Uh, I read some article that there was an experiment where someone uh, took a tweet about needing to fix plugs on public transit or, or have power that uh, that a woman had wrote, written in Twitter. Do you write things on Twitter? I don't know. Had had posted in Twitter. And they had like an account that was obviously a male account like posted. And like no one, some people liked it, but no one really replied to the male's tweet. But the female tweet they had, what did they call it? The reply guys? There were a bunch of like men, or I assume they had some heuristic to figure out if they were men, like replying and like explaining to the woman. And I feel like the kind of security person I'm thinking of is sort of they're just like, you know, you should use 2FA. And which is something that I would say, but it's sort of like, I guess pedantic is the word. I don't know. I get very bad feelings when I think about security. That's all I'm saying. Maybe I need to change my medication, but it makes me, it's sort of like, it's sort of like if, uh, if I have to call like the rental car customer service company because they charged me something incorrect, I'm just like, this is going to ruin my day. I'm going to, I'm going to open up a bottle of wine. And just like I'm gonna power Good through this, that. yeah. Like I'm gonna have well, to I deal think it's with fair. it. I think there's. I mean, I I think uh, I put like lawyers and security. Often mm. it's it's a it's a similar personality type that sometimes can. I understand what you're coming from. It's, it can be frustrating because so oftentimes it's you know they're always kind of appearing to be in a very like academic or perfect world. It's like well. If we like the lawyer will say like, well, if you do that, then you're having this risk. And same thing with security. It's like, well, if you do this, something can happen. And and you know, you as the we'll call you the regular person at the point. It's like, you know, you want someone to acknowledge like, listen, I live in a world where I have to acknowledge some level of risk every day, right? To just do things. And it's not helpful if uh, you tell me my computer is 100% vulnerable to everything all the time and I can do nothing to get my job done. Just like when you're working with a contract with a lawyer, it's not helpful if you're just going to tell us all the ways we can't do this contract. Right? Exactly. Like, That's can, it right. But then there are, the flip side is sometimes like you, you meet, I uh, uh, had an interaction, a very good interaction with a lawyer the other day, right? And they were like extremely helpful because they were just like, oh, this thing doesn't really matter. Right. They don't, don't worry about that. And then it makes you or an accountant sometimes can give you that advice, too. That it makes you just feel like, oh, thank God. Right. They just yeah. they're kind of like they're like, yeah, I know what it says. Don't worry about that. Worry yeah. about, and then they tell you, worry about this. This is what we need to figure out. And and that's really helpful. And hopefully a security person is doing the same thing. It's like, all right, you know, you have 2FA with using text messaging. Yeah, it's not perfect, but don't worry about exactly. that. Exactly. No, I, I think you know I what think... we should worry about. Let's just patch your, your Windows server yeah. because you haven't done that in like eight years. See, okay? see that we should do, right? That, that's a good that makes me feel good. I feel great now, Brandon. That is, that's a, <laughs> but before we pop up to the stack to that, and I think you've summarized the point I was going to uh, locatiously make. <clears throat> Or take a long time to make, as it were. But one, let me just inter, uh, inter, inter, interject in here. I have come to really appreciate accountants. You, do you have an accountant you work with? I think accountants, I I think accountants are wonderful. Yeah, yes. yeah. Un, unlike unlike dealing, or you know, unlike your your scenario with lawyers or other sort of quote unquote professionals, accountants are great. 
because accountants like to summarize what what you're saying about security people the accountant's job is to tell you how you can do what you want not why you can't do it right like they're basically there to kind of like figure out the system and they also tell you things you can't do but they're basically like mm, yeah this is how it works right let me let me tell you how you can live in this system and also like you have questions to answer like i always have a lot of accountants for you know, doing podcasts and then I'll write articles for the register. And I just want to know, like, when I buy an iPhone and if I talk about it on my podcast, is that deductible? Right? Like, <laughs> all sorts, like, if I buy a book on computers, is that deductible? Like, there's all those kind of things. And, and an accountant will, usually the ones I work with, will walk you through, like, well, uh, is this something you bought that is involved in you making revenue that is taxed? They never really say it that clearly. And uh, if the answer is yes, then it's like, yes, deduct it, and I don't need the receipts. <laughs> so, like, accountants are great. I love a good accountant. But I think, I think, I guess that is, like, what I'm interested in from security people is, like I was saying, like, tell, tell me how to do what I want, not why I can't do it. And uh, just to cap it off, like, as an example, when I was in Eugene, we had to pay um, – my uh, my son and daughter's tuition here in Amsterdam, and I have a I have a, a Dutch bank account with the euros in it, and you know transferring money in Europe is awesome. Like it's really easy just to like transfer money bef- between accounts and pay people. It's fantastic. There's none of this weird like deposit you know seven cents and thirteen cents in a bank account and verify it and like set up a bill pay that like mails oh, to an address. No, I'm loving it. I'm just oh. I love it. Oh, you do. It. People just send you like their bank account number. You put that in there, and you can even put in a little note, for example, that says like Cormax tuition, and that gets sent over there, and it happens the same day, and you're just like done. It's oh. like incredible now on the other hand we do have to pay for our bank for our account so they don't quite there's there's three things that they have a dire shortage of in uh in europe i don't i don't know i think some shipping containers maybe got uh some pirates took them over on the way over from i don't know south america or china or wherever uh but there's a severe we're currently in europe we're currently experiencing a severe napkin shortage it's just like we basically are rationing napkins uh, okay. Not only are the napkins not plentiful, but they're very thin and small. So uh, yeah. if you're in the rest of the world, like in America, you know, they'll just bring you a handful of napkins like it's no thing. Mm-hmm. But here in Europe, please conserve napkins. Think about the shortage we're experiencing. Right. Got it. we Will do. Also, as you may know, there's also a shortage on uh, toilets and uh, water. <laughs> Those things are also not plentiful. They don't and ice. Ice is basically non-existent. Yeah, yeah. Now when I know ice, no, that's crazy. That's a crazy American talking. If yeah, you want ice, uh, yeah. got that one for sure. Yeah, no ice. And uh, uh, you know, I forget the third thing at this point, but uh, the, you, you know, those those are things that are very rare in supply. But banking, banking is done very well. You can uh, you can do that. Quite I like well. it. Well, hopefully that needs to get over here. Someone needs to fly fly across. The yeah, pond yeah, and and, and, it, and us, it's uh, it's on it, that system. It's like that's why Venmo and all these things are so popular is because transferring money is a pain in the ass, right? Like, and it's it. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for it to be. So, anyways, uh, I think uh, so. Banking. Oh, so the situation we we're in where security reared its its uh, its annoying head is like I had to pay this tuition. And, uh, so I logged into my, uh, my bank account and, uh, uh, because it was like 3000 euros or something, like I had to use, I've, I ranted about this a while ago. I had to use this absurd little, I don't even know what it is. Some weird keypad with a challenge response thing. And you right. enter this one other time thing. password thing. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't, I don't, that, that's, that's, I, I didn't take differential equations and I feel like I need Diffy Q2 to mm-hmm. understand what's right. going on there. But, uh, I was in Eugene and I had to use that. Um, and, uh, I didn't have it. And then inexplicably, uh, 
the um, when I was flying back, I was like, oh, I should check to see if my wife paid this uh, as as I had asked her to do. Uh, and and she had not. So I opened up the mobile app and then it asked me to, like, agree to some way of doing something. And I put my finger on it and then I could magically transfer the money. And it's just so, like, I don't, you know, it, it, this gets all the way back to what I was going to say from last episode is like, so why was there a problem in the first place? <laughs> right? Like, why didn't you just write the right code instead of, as I was joking with Matt Ray, it's like the, the security problem was that uh, Zoom was using an unsecure port. And when they were doing the architectural review or the peer, the, the pair programming, and they were like, oh, the story says put an unsecure port in here. Why didn't someone say, oh, it's an unsecure port? And take the UN mm-hmm. off, which of course so a, is a ridiculous a way of putting it. But I'll say though, it's like okay, because you were on your laptop when you were trying to pay. Is that what you're using your laptop? Yes, when you're trying to pay the first exactly. Time? All right, yeah. so here's here's the thing, right? So I, I don't. This is the scenario. It's like okay, on the phone, right? That was probably already a registered device, right? Are they absolutely so they knew on the phone? They're pretty confident if that phone is you and you unlock that phone, yeah, just because of the nature of cell phones, those are more more secure. So what happened there was the risk profile was like, I know this phone is Cote's, and he did some authentication on the phone that I trust, and also and maybe, the app, right? Like I had to unlock and the, the app, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. The, and it's the signed app and everything. So at that point, the the risk score, like I don't know what they were using. Let's just say they were using like anything above seventy was like has to be like a, a step up authentication. So probably below that, they're like, we have enough factors right now to let him do it on the phone. So let's go back to the other one. It's like okay. A guy is trying to do. I'm, I, I'm, you know, I'm not to get into everyone's finances, but three thousand euros is a lot of money. I mean, that's like a reasonable amount. So a guy. Yeah, yeah. So, so what they're seeing is a person in Portland, Oregon, mm-hmm. on a computer that they may not have ever registered, is logging in to pay an amount of money that they don't normally move like day to day, right? It's like it's it's some, and it's. And it's over a limit. It's usually like a couple thousand dollars. So I don't know what the euro exchange rate. So that this is probably where you like you got triggered. Where it was like, okay, the risk yeah, is just yeah. the risk is like you're far away. You're on a device I don't know, and it's an amount that I did deem like significant. So then they forced you into the step up authentication, right? And then of course you don't yeah, have it. Right. So you're totally no, frustrated. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. But it is one of those things. I mean, it is. It's like it's a. To me, it's like it is kind of frustrating. It is. It is frustrating, but at the same time, I'm like. I can see why there's enough factors where they're yeah. like, we're going to flag this. No, no, totally. And, and I'm, I'm sympathetic to that. I mean, it's just, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's just frustrating, right? Like it's, it's, uh, it's as if you had like some law that everyone agrees is stupid and it still exists. Like I always think like, uh, like as an example, uh, like let's say you passed, uh, let's say at the federal level in the U.S., like magically, I'm sure some hillbillies have to die for this to pass at some point. I probably shouldn't say hillbilly. Is that is that canceled too, Brandon? Is that a bad phrase? Uh, it probably is. Okay, I, no, I'm sorry. I'm one sorry. That's kind of one I rotate out of. I don't use it much, but I don't know. Let, let me say, there are some people who do not agree with my view of the world. Is that is that a who, who <laughs> I, I who very, I feel that's a very safe statement? Who who are not well informed about the the ways things should be? I think uh, the, they would say low information voters. I mean, it's so much more of. efficient to say hillbilly. Though isn't it like it's true? It's yeah. true, but I don't, know. I don't think people like <laughs> all right, all right, voter. all right. Let's say, way. let's say, let's say magically the uh-huh. uh, the the U.S. federal government made marijuana legal. Right now, it would suck 
to be the last person sentenced to 10 years in jail before that law, before midnight of January 1st or right. December 31st, right? And and I feel like a lot of like security stuff is like that, right? Where like, so for example, to your point, like logging in on the website, you use a five character numeric password. And right. it's just sort of like, mm, <laughs> right? Like, what are we talking about? A two week release cycle? Maybe for that, like, let's a three month release cycle to allow you to put a standard, you know, 128 max hundred, you know, minimum 12 max 128 character in for a password. Maybe we should do that. Anyways, Mm -hmm. like that that uh, should be on, that should be high on the list. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow. So, uh, Oh, you know, on the other hand, to your point, uh, I, I mysteriously had a, uh, $6,100, uh, pending thankfully charge from Uber on my credit card. Which, oh. you know, as far as I remember, I did not drive from Eugene to New York City uh, when I was there. <laughs> but, I do, but your point about security, the one thing I will say that I sympathize a lot with is that oftentimes it is these moments when you're traveling, you have to do this always, weird stuff. I don't always. know. It's just like – and so there is like – while I understand the, the uh, you know, the fact that you're not in the location that you normally are, it's also the time where it's like, yeah, you're usually most jammed up. Yeah, that's the no point. It what. sucks the most. Uh, like, or like for me, like when I travel, I use my iPad more than I use it any other time. Right? It's like an yeah. anom- it would look weird, but it, the reason I'm doing it is like I don't have my big monitor. You know what I mean? Like I use the iPad yeah. because I deal with traveling, but when I'm home, I don't. So it's almost like I've almost taught it. Like, like I look like a criminal, right? Because like, oh, he's on his <laughs> iPad. It's like it's not. He's on his iPad because he's on vacation, right? And it's just normal. It's a normal yeah. part of my day. So there are these like, you know, the, if you will, the opposite of heuristics around where they work against you and you're like no 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 this is exactly the time i need it yeah. um so i'm i'm highly sympathetic to to your point about like not having the the the, the pin key it's like yeah i don't have that because i'm traveling and yeah. and so like being it, open it's to like that, because i live a normal life <laughs> right exactly and it's like or, and of course even when you prepare to travel it's like you got to get all your dongles and you gotta be like oh my yeah. gosh like what what if something happens and I got to like, you know, log in? It's like, well, I mean, are you really going to have that stuff? So so always having other options, right, would have been like, – no, so no. in your case, maybe it's just like which, they which, should have called your phone. Which, right? to they be fair, said, I did have other options. So that might be another like good thing is just like it could pop up a message to be like, do this on your phone. Yeah. Right? And that, I was going to say that would be the number one thing is tell <laughs> it telling you what to do or it calling you on your phone. Hey, you just did this press one to confirm something like that yeah no that would be fair and and also just to wrap it up to uh citibank's credit i called them up and it was hilarious the person on the line was like oh yeah i that's bizarre (laughs) they they had a chuckle of like yeah i don't know why you would have that charge from uber and immediately they were like yeah don't worry about it and annoyingly they're going to send us new cards with numbers but whatever and they're going to ship it here to amsterdam it was great so uh good job that's one of the you know for people uh I don't know if credit cards are popular in Europe, but that is one of the benefits of the credit card system is basically they eat all the fraud, which uh, is really nice. Uh, That's a good feature. So we don't have a lot of time left to go over a follow-up, but if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 188, you know, you can get stickers. You should join the Slack channel. Uh, We got lots of jobs people have posted, but why don't you very quickly go over the, the feedback that we have, Brandon, then we'll get to recommendations. All right, we do. We want to thank Michael from Woodstock. He wrote in asking for some stickers, so I sent him a bunch of them. And he told us uh, the uh, Jeff Meyerson interview episode was really fun. So you should go check out Software Defined Interviews. In fact, I did one with uh, 
Chris, uh, I can't say his last name, Chris A, as we call him, CTO of the CNTF. So after you finish this, go listen to our latest interviews. But hey, here's a fun fact he told me. Woodstock, the concert, you know, big concert here in the United States way back when, the first one, it was actually held over an hour away in White Lake. So mm-hmm. there you have it. Woodstock, not even in Woodstock. So I told him, I told Michael, you're blowing my mind. So we appreciate him uh, writing in. And if you want a sticker, just email your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com and we can send them anywhere in the world. So happy to do that. That's right. Brandon will ride a scooter over to the post office. That'll that'll be great. Absolutely. Yeah, that's like when people say they live in Austin and uh, you're always like, do you really live in Austin or do you live in like Pflugerville? But (laughs) but that's fine. So what do you have to uh, recommend this week? Yeah, real quick here. Um, you know, we talked about lawyers before. Uh, I actually read this book called Secrets of Sand Hill Road. It was written by one of the partners at uh, A16Z. So, uh, you know, love them or hate them. I do think when these guys t- uh, uh, spend some time to actually uh, write down uh, some good information about how venture capital works, I think they do a really, really good job of this. So this isn't necessarily a book with like lots of fun stories. It's a book that explains to you exactly how venture capital works. And he goes through a term sheet line by line and explains every one of these terms to you. And I thought it was fantastic because I am often, I hear all these things like it's a, uh, it's a, a participating preferred option, right? Or not preferred or all these things. So he went through and explained what all those things mean. And it, it was just great. So if you're interested in this stuff, you're interested in venture capital and you're interested in like the kind of the minutia of it, I would highly recommend it. So this way I feel uh, qualified now when someone says a company got bought, like I feel more qualified to like understand what was that a good outcome or a bad outcome. And if you don't want to buy the book, they uh, are interviewing, I think his name is Scott on uh, the A16 podcast. So you can just listen to the episodes for free. So check all that out. So my recommendation this week is the, uh, it's, it comes in a little tiny can back when I was at Target. I always like to go to a Target while I, I'm at, uh, back stateside. And I picked up a few little cans of my favorite, uh, travel sized, uh, shaving cream. Now I have a beard, but I do do some shaving on my neck and, uh, cheeks. And it's the Gillette Foamy Regular Shave Foam. It comes in a, it's a metal red and black sort of little bottle comes in a two ounce size or for those in the uh the commonwealth and the former commonwealth it's 56 grams um i don't know i guess it says net weight so i guess that includes the can uh, if i remember how net works but anyways it's the perfect size not too affordable it's not like one of these fancy like you know shaving gels or something just straight up old school foam so get yourself some of that well as always this has been software defined talk uh, if you want to see all the other episodes, you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com. You should join our Slack channel, all sorts of other things. We got an Instagram and a Twitter account. Uh, and as Brandon mentioned, you can get stickers. And uh, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye.